Introduction, Part 2, of The General History of the Pirates, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Barry Eads. The General History of the Pirates, Volume 1, by Charles Johnson. Introduction, Part 2. In March, 1705-6, the House of Lords did an address to Her Late Majesty, set forth, that the French and Spaniards had twice, during the time of the war, overrun and plundered the Bahama Islands, that there was no form of government there, that the harbor of the Isle of Providence might be easily put in a posture of defense, and that it would be of dangerous consequence should those islands fall into the hands of the enemy. Wherefore the lords humbly besought Her Majesty to use such methods as she should think proper for taking the said islands into her hands, in order to secure the same to the crown of this kingdom, and to the security and advantage of the trade thereof. But however it happened, no means were used in compliance to that address, for securing the Bahama Islands till the English pirates had made Providence their retreat and general receptacle. Then t'was found absolutely necessary, in order to dislodge that troublesome colony, and information being made by the merchants to the government, of the mischief they did, and were likely to do, His Majesty was pleased to grant the following order. Whitehall, September 15, 1716. Complaint having been made to His Majesty, by great number of merchants, masters of ships, and others, as well as by several governors of his majesty's islands and plantations in the west indies that the pirates are grown so numerous that they infest not only the seas near jamaica but even those of the northern continent of america and that unless some effectual means be used the whole trade from great britain to those parts will not be only obstructed but in imminent danger of being lost his Majesty has, upon mature deliberation in council, been pleased, in the first place, to order a proper force to be employed for the suppressing of the said pirates, which force so to be employed is as follows. A list of His Majesty's ships and vessels employed, and to be employed, at the British governments and plantations in the West Indies. Place where, Jamaica, five rates, ship adventure, Forty guns, now there. Jamaica, ship Diamond. Forty guns, sailed from hence thither fifth of last month. Jamaica, ship Ludlow Castle. Forty guns, to carry the governor. Jamaica, ship Swift Sloop, now there. Jamaica, six rate. Ship Winchelsea, twenty guns. Surveying the coast of the West Indies, and then to return home but during her being at Jamaica is to join the others, for security of the trade, and intercepting pirates. Barbados, five-rate, ship Scarborough, thirty guns, now there. Leeward Islands, six-rate, ship Seaford, now there. Tyro Sloop, six guns. Virginia, six-rate, ship Lime, twenty guns, now there. Virginia, five-rate, ship Shoreham, thirty guns, ordered home. Virginia, ship Pearl, forty guns, sailed thither from home the seventh of last month, and is to cruise about the capes. New York, six-rate, ship Phoenix, thirty guns, now there. New England, 
ship squirrel, twenty guns. New England, ship rose, twenty guns, ordered home. Those at Jamaica, Barbados, and the Leeward Islands are to join upon occasion for annoying the pirates and the security of the trade, and those at New England, Virginia, and New York are to do the like. Besides these frigates, two men of war were ordered to attend Captain Rogers, late commander of the two Bristol ships, called the Duke and Duchess, that took the rich Acapulco ship, and made a tour round the globe. This gentleman received a commission from His Majesty, to be governor of the island of Providence, and was vested with power to make use of all possible methods for reducing the pirates, and that nothing might be wanting, he carried with him the king's proclamation of pardon, to those who should return to their duty by a certain time. The proclamation is as follows. By the king, a proclamation for suppressing of pirates. George R. Whereas we have received information that several persons, subjects of Great Britain, have since the twenty-fourth day of June, in the year of our Lord, 1715, committed divers piracy and robberies upon the high seas in the West Indies, or adjoining to our plantations, which hath and may occasion great damage to the merchants of Great Britain, and others trading into those parts, and though we have appointed such a force as we judge sufficient for suppressing the said pirates, yet the more effectually to put an end to the same, we have thought fit, by and with the advice of our privy council, to issue this our royal proclamation, and we do hereby promise and declare that in case any of the said pirates shall on or before the 5th of September, in the year of our Lord 1718, surrender him or themselves to one of our principal secretaries of state in Great Britain or Ireland, or to any governor or deputy governor of any of our plantations beyond the seas, every such pirate and pirates so surrendering him or themselves as aforesaid shall have our gracious pardon of and for such his or their piracy or piracies by him or them committed before the fifth of january next ensuing and we do hereby strictly charge and command all our admirals captains and other officers at sea and all our governors and commanders of any forts castles or other places in our plantations and all other our officers civil and military to seize and take such of the pirates who shall refuse or neglect to surrender themselves accordingly. And we do hereby further declare that in case any person or persons on or after the sixth day of September 1718 shall discover or seize or cause or procure to be discovered or seized any one or more of the said pirates so refusing or neglecting to surrender themselves as aforesaid, so as they may be brought to justice and convicted of the said offence, such person or persons, so making such discovery or seizure, or causing or procuring such discovery or seizure to be made, shall have and receive as a reward for the same, viz., for every commander of any pirate ship or vessel, the sum of one hundred pounds, for every lieutenant, master, boatswain, carpenter, and gunner, the sum of forty pounds, for every inferior officer, the sum of thirty pounds, and for every private man, the sum of twenty pounds. And if any person or persons belonging to and being part of the crew of any such pirate ship or vessel, shall on or after the said sixth day of September, 1718, seize and deliver, or cause to be seized, 
or delivered any commander or commanders of such pirate ship or vessel so as that he or they be brought to justice and convicted of the said offence such person or persons as a reward for the same shall receive for every such commander the sum of two hundred pounds which said sums the lord treasurer or the commissioners of our treasury for the time being are hereby required and desired to pay accordingly given at our court at hampton court the fifth day of september seventeen seventeen in the fourth year of our reign god save the king before governor rogers went over the proclamation was sent to them which they took as teague took the covenant that is they made prize of the ship and proclamation too however they sent for those who were out a-cruising and called a general council but there was so much noise and clamour that nothing could be agreed on some were for fortifying the island to stand upon their own terms and treating with the government upon the foot of a commonwealth others were also for strengthening the island for their own security but were not strenuous for these punctilios so that they might have a general pardon without being obliged to make any restitution and to retire with all their effects to the neighboring british plantations but captain jennings who was their commodore and who always bore a great sway among them being a man of good understanding and a good estate before this whim took him of going a-pirating resolved upon surrendering without more ado to the terms of the proclamation which so disconcerted all their measures that the congress broke up very abruptly without doing anything and presently jennings and by his example about one hundred fifty more came into the governor of bermudas and had their certificates though the greatest part of them returned again like the dog to the vomit the commanders who were then in the island besides captain jennings aforementioned i think were these benjamin hornigold edward teach john martell james fife christopher winter nicholas brown paul williams charles bellamy oliver laboche major penner ed england t burgess thomas cochlin r sample charles vane and two or three others hornigold williams burgess and laboche were afterwards cast away teach and penner killed and their crews taken james fife killed by his own men martell's crew destroyed and he forced on an uninhabited island cochlin sample and vane hanged winter and brown surrendered to the spaniards at cuba and england lives now at madagascar in the month of may or june seventeen eighteen captain rogers arrived at his government with two of his majesty's ships and found several of the above said pirates there who upon the coming of the men-of-war all surrendered to the pardon except charles vane and his crew which happened after this manner i have before described the harbour to have two inlets by means of a small island laying at the mouth of it at one of which both the men of war entered and left the other open so that vane slipped his cable and set fire to a large prize they had there and resolutely put out firing at the man of war as he went off as soon as captain rogers had settled himself in his government he built a fort for his defence and garrisoned it with the people he found upon the island the quondam pirates to the number of four hundred he formed into companies appointed officers of those whom he most confided in and then set about to settle a trade with the spaniards in the gulf of mexico 
in one of which voyages Captain Burgess above mentioned died, and Captain Hornigold, another of the famous pirates, was cast away upon rocks, a great way from land, and perished, but five of his men got into a canoe and were saved. Captain Rogers sent out a sloop to get provisions, and gave the command to one John Auger, one of the pirates, who had accepted the act of grace. In their voyage they met with two sloops, and John and his comrades, not yet forgetting their former business, made use of their old freedom, and took out of them in money and goods, to the value of about five hundred pounds. After this they steered away for Hispaniola, not being satisfied whether the governor would admit them to carry on two trades at once, and so thought to have bidden farewell to the Bahama Islands. But as ill luck would have it, they met with a violent tornado wherein they lost their mast, and were drove back to one of the uninhabited Bahamas, and lost their sloop. The men got all ashore, and lived up and down in the wood for a little time, till Governor Rogers, happening to hear of their expedition, and where they had got to, sent out an armed sloop to the aforesaid island, the master of which, with good words and fair promises, got them on board, and brought them all to Providence, being a eleven persons, ten of which were tried at a court of admiralty, convicted, and hanged by the other's evidence, in the sight of all their former companions and fellow thieves. The criminals would fain have spirited up the pardoned pirates, to rescue them out of the hands of the officers of justice, telling them from the gallows that they never thought to have seen the time when ten such men as they should be tied up and hanged like dogs, and four hundred of their sworn friends and companions quietly standing by to behold the spectacle. One Humphrey Maurice urged the matter further than the rest, taxing them with pusillanimity and cowardice, as if it were a breach of honor in them not to rise and save them from the ignominious death they were going to suffer. But twas all in vain. They were now told it was their business to turn their minds to another world, and sincerely to repent of what wickedness they had done in this. Yes, answered one of them, I do heartily repent. I repent I had not done more mischief, and that we did not cut the throats of them that took us and I am extremely sorry that you ain't all hanged as well as we. So do I, says another, and I, says a third. And then they were all turned off, without making any other dying speeches, except one Dennis McCarty, who told the people, that some friends of his had often said he should die in his shoes, but that he would make them liars, and so kicked them off. And thus ended the lives, with their adventures, of those miserable wretches, who may serve as sad examples of the little effect mercy has upon men once abandoned to an evil course of life. Least I be thought severe in my animadversions upon the Spanish proceedings in the West Indies, in respect to their dealings with us, I shall mention an instance or two wherein I shall be as concise as possible, and then transcribe some original letters from the governor of Jamaica, and an officer of a man of war, to the Alcades of Trinidad, on the island of Cuba, with their answers translated into English, and then proceed to the particular histories of the pirates and their crews, that have made most noise in the world in our own times. About March 1722, one of our men of war trading upon the coast, viz. the Greyhound Galley, Captain Walren, the said captain invited some of the merchants to dinner, who, with their attendants and friends, came on board to the number of sixteen or eighteen in all. 
and having concerted measures, about six or eight dined in the cabin, and the rest were waiting on the deck. While the captain and his guests were at dinner, the boatswain pipes for the ship's company to dine. Accordingly, the men take their platters, receive their provisions, and down they go between decks, leaving only four or five hands besides the Spaniards above, who were immediately dispatched by them, and the hatches laid on the rest. Those in the cabin were as ready as their companions, for they pulled out their pistols and shot the captain, surgeon, and another dead, and grievously wounded the lieutenant. But he getting out of the window upon a side ladder, thereby saved his life, and so they made themselves masters of the ship in an instant. But by accidental good fortune she was recovered before she was carried off, for Captain Walren, having manned a sloop with thirty hands out of his ship's company, had sent her to windward some days before also for trade, which the Spaniards knew very well, and just as the action was over they saw this sloop coming down before the wind towards their ship, upon which the Spaniards took about ten thousand pounds in specie, as I am informed, quitted the ship, and went off in their launch unmolested. About the same time a guard lacoste of Puerto Rico, commanded by one Matthew Luke, an Italian, took four English vessels, and murdered all the crews. He was taken by the Lanston man-of-war in May 1722, and brought to Jamaica, where they were all but seven deservedly hanged. It is likely the man-of-war might not have meddled with her, but that she blindly laid the Lanston on board, thinking she had been a merchant ship, who thereupon catched a tartar. Afterwards in rummaging there was found a cartridge of powder made up with a piece of an English journal, belonging, I believe, to the cream snow, and upon examination at last it was discovered that they had taken this vessel and murdered the crew, and one of the Spaniards, when he came to die, confessed that he had killed twenty English men with his own hands. S. Jago de la Vega, February 20. A letter from His Excellency Sir Nicholas Laws, our Governor, to the Alcades of Trinidad on Cuba, dated the 26th of January, 1721-22. Gentlemen, the frequent depredations, robberies, and other acts of hostility, which have been committed on the king, my royal master's subjects, by a parcel of banditti who pretend to have commissions from you, and in reality are sheltered under your government, is the occasion of my sending the bearer Captain Chamberlain, commander of his majesty's snow happy to demand satisfaction of you for so many notorious robberies which your people have lately committed on the king's subjects of this island particularly by those traitors nicholas brown and christopher winter to whom you have given protection such proceedings as these are not only a breach of the law of nations but must appear to the world of a very extraordinary nature when considered that the subjects of a prince in amity and friendship with another shall give countenance and encourage such vile practices. I confess I have had long patience, and declined using any violent measures to obtain satisfaction, hoping the cessation of arms, so happily concluded upon between our respective sovereigns, would have put an effectual stop to those disorders. But on the contrary, I now find the port of Trinidad a receptacle to villains of all nations. I do therefore think fit to acquaint you, and assure you in the king my master's name, that if I do meet with any of your rogues for the future upon the coast of this island, I will order them to be hanged directly without mercy, and I expect and demand of you to make ample restitution to Captain Chamberlain, 
of all the negroes which the said brown and winter have lately taken off from the north side of this island and also of such sloops and other effects as they may have taken and robbed of since the cessation of arms and that you will deliver up to the bearer such english men as are now detained or otherwise remain at trinidado and also expect you will hereafter forbear granting any commissions or suffer any such notorious villains to be equipped and fitted out from your port otherwise you may depend upon it those that i can meet with shall be esteemed pirates and treated as such of which i thought proper to give you notice and am etc a letter from mr joseph laws lieutenant of his majesty's ship happy snow to the alcaldes of trinidado gentlemen i am sent by commodore vernon commander-in-chief of all his majesty's ships in the west indies to demand in the king our majesty's name all the vessels with their effects etc and also the negroes taken from jamaica since the cessation of arms likewise all englishmen now detained or otherwise remaining in your port of trinidado particularly nicholas brown and christopher winter both of them being traitors pirates and common enemies to all nations and the said commodore hath ordered me to acquaint you that he is surprised that the subjects of a prince in amity and friendship with another should give countenance to such notorious villains in expectation of your immediate compliance i am gentlemen off the river trinidado february eighth seventeen twenty your humble servant joseph laws the answer of the alcaldes of trinidado to mr laws letter captain laws in answer to yours this serves to acquaint you that neither in this city nor port are there any negroes or vessels which have been taken at your island of jamaica nor on that coast since the cessation of arms and what vessels have been taken since that time have been for trading in an unlawful commerce on this coast and as for those english fugitives you mention they are here as other subjects of our lord the king being brought voluntarily to our holy catholic faith and have received the water of baptism but if they should prove rogues and should not comply with their duty in which they are bound at present then they shall be chastised according to the ordinances of our king whom god preserve and we beg you will weigh anchor as soon as possible and leave this port and its coast because upon no account you shall be suffered to trade or anything else for we have resolved not to admit thereof god preserve you we kiss your hand trinidada february eighth seventeen twenty two signed heronimo de fuentes benite alfonso del manzano mr laws reply to the alcaldes's letter gentlemen your refusing to deliver up the subjects of the king my master is somewhat surprising it being in a time of peace and the detaining them consequently against the law of nations notwithstanding your trifling pretense for which you have no foundation but to forge an excuse to prevent my making any inquiry into the truth of the facts i have alleged in my former i must tell you my resolutions are to stay on the coast till i have made reprisals and should i meet any vessels belonging to your port i shall not treat them as the subjects of the crown of spain but as pirates finding it a part of your religion is this place to protect such villains off the river trinidado february eighth seventeen twenty your humble servant joseph laws the answer of one of the alcaldes to mr laws reply captain laws you may assure yourself i will never be wanting in the duty of my post 
The prisoners that are here are not imprisoned, but only kept here to be sent to the governor of the Havana. If you, as you say, command at sea, I command on shore. If you treat the Spaniards you should happen to take as pirates, I will do the same by every one of your people I can take up. I will not be wanting to good manners, if you will do the same. I can likewise act the soldier, if any occasion should offer that way, for I have very good people here for that purpose. If you pretend anything else, you may execute it on this coast. God preserve you. I kiss your hand. Trinidado, February 20, 1720. Signed, Benite Alfonso del Manzano. The last advices we have received from our plantations in America, dated June 9, 1724, gives us the following account, viz., that Captain Jones in the ship John and Mary, on the fifth of the said month, met with, near the Capes of Virginia, a Spanish guard del coast, commanded by one Don Benito, said to be commissioned by the governor of Cuba. She was manned with sixty Spaniards, eighteen Frenchmen, and eighteen English and had an English captain as well as Spanish, one Richard Holland, who formerly belonged to the Suffolk man of war, which he deserted at Naples, and took shelter in a convent. He served on board the Spanish fleet under Admiral Camock, in the war in the Mediterranean, and after the cessation of arms with Spain, settled with several of his countrymen, Irish, in the Spanish West Indies. This guard del Coast made prize of Captain Jones's ship, and kept possession of her from fifth to the eighth, during which time she also took the prudent Hannah of Boston, Thomas Moussel, master, and the Dolphin of Topsham, Theodore Bear, master, both laden and bound for Virginia. The former they sent away together with three men and the mate, under the command of a Spanish officer and crew, the same day she was taken. The latter they carried off with them, putting the master and all the crew aboard Captain Jones's ship. They plundered Captain Jones's of thirty-six men slaves, some gold dust, all his clothes, four great guns and small arms, and about four hundred gallons of rum, besides his provisions and stores, computed in all to fifteen hundred pounds sterling. End of Introduction Part 2